precious Jesus. Oh, for the grace to trust him more. That's a prayer, isn't it? Hope you are seeking God more and seeking more of his grace. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, I just, um, I thank you so much for what you've done in the past. I thank you for our salvation that was won for us at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For that gives us reason to worship today. But God, we also know that it's not just a past grace, but it's a present grace and a future grace that we're relying upon because you never change. Your son Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for how precious Christ is. Lord, would he become more precious in our hearts and minds today? Will we open up your word? Will we be able to trust you more in greater ways? Lord, maybe there's something this week that was just so overwhelming. Lord, will we release that to you so that, God, you would speak powerfully into our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray against any part of the kingdom of darkness that would try to interfere or snatch the word of truth from our hearts and minds. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just hear God's word, but we would take action. We would do something about it today. And uh, Lord, I thank you for this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Isn't it great to gather with God's people? We were talking as pastors this week, and we just, we were thinking about, where else do you go to actually have more social interaction than at church? Where you meet people from different generations, you, you shake hands, you actually have physical touch, you have good and godly greetings and appropriate greetings, and you need that as human beings. But then add that onto that, the fact there's a spiritual dynamic that we share a commonality in Jesus Christ. And today, if you don't know Jesus, we're, we're hoping and praying. We've had people praying all week long and even this morning praying for you. You are here by divine appointments. We believe that. And we are asking that God would speak deeply into your heart. I want to just uh, start by encouraging you um, we got a letter. Remember, remember how we raised some money a few months back for helping some uh, persecuted Christians around the world? You might not be aware of this, but um, in the media you would hear that the most, there's other groups of people that are most persecuted. Actually, the most persecuted people in the world are still Christians. And I don't know about 23, 2023 numbers, but you know, close to last few years, close to 100,000 people have died for their faith in Jesus Christ each year. And so we raised $5,600 for helping persecuted church refugees, and I wanted to read to you about Hamad. Hamad came to trust Christ and for two years served underground in his home country. He was invited to a regional conference, and while out of the country, found out that his family had outed his faith to authorities. His return to his home country meant prison or death. A church in Canada, a.k.a. Temple Baptist Church, was approached about Ahmad's story and his need to survive in the host country while he sought next steps. This church graciously assisted, graciously assisted in providing enough support to sustain Ahmad for six months. So $5,600 would be good for that whole six months. And this is what he said. Thank you for helping me. 
I want to thank the brothers and sisters of the church for supporting me with grateful prayer that strengthens the spiritual values that the church embodies. I appreciate your beautiful support in my time of suffering, and I was honored to receive the humanitarian gesture of the church. Thank you. And that's been translated by Assist Global. Get this, though. Ahmad's relocation was strategic for Global Mission. He's now been approached by Voice of the Martyrs regionally, that's a mission organization, to take a role on their team. The providence of God has united people on Global Mission to connect with his servant, Ahmad, and see him re-engage for God's glory in the strength of his church. Praise the Lord. So he's been shouted out of his home country, but guess what? He's going to help other persecuted Christians. Like, only God can do these types of things. God is great. And yet it also reminds me of another man who was out of his country. He stood up for his beliefs, and he was persecuted for it. His name is Daniel. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Daniel chapter 6. Um, and uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give one to you. Just raise your hand. Uh, this is for you to keep. You get to keep this. We encourage you to read it. We'll teach you how to read it. Uh, there's 66 books in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to, to give one to you. So I think there's some over here too. And uh, so if we could just get those to you. And we're going to stand and read those in just a moment. But uh, maybe today, um, as, you, uh, as you think about this, you are in a, in a situation where you're living in fear. I want to remind you not to be afraid, to fear not. We're going to learn from Daniel 6 how to have courage over cowardice. It seems like often in our lives there's walls of oppression that are closing in on us. And I would remind us not to fear. Do not be afraid. Remember, God plus me equals what? The majority. With God on your side, the almighty God, all-powerful God, you are in the majority. And God will give you courage over cowardice, as, especially as we study Daniel 6. Now, let me just recap where we've come so far. We started off learning in Daniel um, about six weeks ago. And uh, Daniel chapter 1 describes this guy named Daniel who was living in Judah. He was probably a teenager, young person, um, maybe late teens, early 20s, kind of think of it, college age. And he is carted off from Judah over to Babylon. He's made a eunuch, he's re-educated, and he's renamed. Renamed after another god. And what does he do? He takes a stand. And his character shows over the conformity that everybody else is living. He eats different. He doesn't just buy into all that the Babylonians were teaching. Instead, he stands true to God's word. And God rewards him for that. And he blesses him. Now, Daniel is in his uh, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in Babylon, not because anything they had done wrong, but because... Their forefathers had done wrong. The previous generations had done wrong. And yet they're still experiencing discipline. And yet also at the same time, God's favor and wisdom. Which is a reminder that you might be ex experiencing horrific things and difficult things in your life, but God still might be giving you favor and wisdom. That was chapter 1. Chapter 2, we learned that God is in control despite we, what we see around us and that he often gives us dreams 
And those dreams are reshaped so that we can pray for others, so that we can declare to others who God is in our life. And this gives us great encouragement to even love our enemies. It's pretty amazing because, see, remember I said that Daniel had favor? Well, the, the general of Babylon actually come to him. He could have started a coup against King Nebuchadnezzar, but he doesn't. He loves his enemies. And Daniel chooses to pray. Then Daniel chapter 3, there, there was a question that came to all of us, and that was, who are you going to serve? We're not just talking about the Bob Dylan song a long time ago, but who are you going to serve? The Lord or the devil? That's what we see when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's friends, are put into the fiery furnace. And we learn that only those who are loyal to God will last. Only those who are loyal to God will last. Then we jumped into chapter 4. And we see that, that uh, Daniel, even though this king has mistreated him, taken him from his family, probably killed his family, he still wants to bless this king. And he warns this king of the pride that he had. And Nebuchadnezzar goes to ruler of the known world at the time to... Going crazy, he starts to eat grass. And the pride that he has turns into mental illness, like any narcissist would. And yet he repents, he humbles himself, and finds grace in his time of need. Just like us today. If we walked in here with some pride, and we humble ourselves, God will give us that grace. Then last week... Through Pastor Kyle, we talked about the handwriting on the wall. Remember the handwriting on the wall, many, many, Teko Parson? Remember that? God writing on the wall and telling Belshazzar, the king, that his days were done. Unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who repented and humbled himself, Belshazzar never did. He forgot about Daniel. He forgot about God. He had to have his, probably his grandma queen to come. Okay, not drama queen, but grandma queen, Okay to come and remind him. And sometimes we do need people from the previous generation to remind us of the truths of God. And now we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 6 with one of the most favorite stories, probably one of your most favorite Old Testament stories, Daniel and the lion's den. Do you like that story? Let's read it. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Here's what we read in Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. And if you need to sit down, this is a longer passage, that's fine. But here's what we read in Daniel chapter 6. Again, and if you have your hard copy of God's Word, look at the table of contents, find Daniel, and then chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three presidents or high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account. So that the king... So that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he is faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law to his God. 
Then these presidents or high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to them, O King Darius, live forever. And all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, and he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making him petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and sent his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun to, to down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continuously deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fed, fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the, de to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish that the king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted what? His God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel was, were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. And then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. 
I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to, to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus of Persia. And may we prosper as we live and obey God and his word. You may be seated. This is such an awesome story. It's so amazing what God does. I, I love, and maybe you just want to highlight this, like verse 3. What does it say about Daniel here? It says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials in Satchas because what? An excellent spirit was within him. Hmm. You thought about, how do you get an excellent spirit within you? How do you get a courageous spirit? There's always, every one of us has something that we're afraid of. All of us have something that we're scared of. I'll just confess, I'm scared of heights. I hate roller coasters. Don't tip me up too high. I mean, this is getting close, right? I'm above you guys right now. We're all afraid of something. How do we get an excellent spirit within us? Well, we need to seek God. Ultimately, that's where we find our courage. Seek God for courage. If you forget anything else today, I want to tell you, you don't just get it from a psychologist. You don't just get it from... um, Facing your fears, you ultimately get courage from God. The one true living God, the creator God, the God of the Bible, just so I'm defining this complete, uh, clearly. And we know this God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we, we find courage by seeking God. And in this passage, we're going to find three times that we seek God for courage. Three times, three occasions. The first is this. We seek God for courage when leaders change. We find this in chapter 5, verse 30. I didn't read this, but go back. Look at Daniel chapter 5, verse 30. Daniel had already prophesied to Belshazzar that he was done. That very night, it says in verse 30, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. So leadership has changed. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been let go? Have you let go from your company, your sports team? Let go from relationships? Maybe a merger, an acquisition? Ever been let go? Ever experienced change, a regime change, a leadership change? Daniel did. Maybe you've experienced a company merger, an acquisition. You've been let go. Well, Daniel experienced this. We go back, if you recall from last week, Daniel, when he gave this this, um, interpretation of the handwriting on the wall, uh, we, we realized that Belshazzar actually declared that he would be number three in the kingdom. That's amazing. And if you think about it, whenever there's a regime change, usually enemies would come in and say, we're getting rid of all of the past leadership. 
Isn't that what they do? Because they're afraid that if there's leaders still in place, that they could lead a revolt. And somehow, Daniel survives. How did Daniel survive? It was God. God enabled Daniel to survive. Daniel should have been permanently laid off by being permanently laid to rest, right? But he wasn't. And Daniel was taken care of. In fact, he did so by a benevolent king, King Darius. If you want to know more about all these Babylonian and Persian kings, there's a, a chart here that um, I've created that helps us. It just keeps things straight. And, you know, the first, um, the first three ones, Nebuchadnezzar, Nobuchadnezzar, and Belshazzar, those are the Babylonian kings. And now we get to Cyrus, uh, the second. Now, it's thought that um, actually here Darius is, uh, is actually the uncle of Cyrus the t- of the second. And maybe Cyrus was still winning some battles out there. And Darius is acting kind of as a co-regent at this point. And we know that, um, that God's people are, uh, are there in, in Babylon because of the disgusting sins that had, had made the temple unfit for worship. We read about that back in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 11. We don't know exactly um, how it all worked as far as the kings of that day, but here's what we know for sure, that Daniel survived, that God rescued his faithful servant, Whereas Belshazzar was killed as he trusted in his dead gods, in his idols. What a reminder for us if we're trusting in idols and something other than God today. Only trusting in God, only being loyal to God will allow us to survive. And as we read in verse 3, God gives an extraordinary spirit to Daniel despite all of life's challenges. See, by this time that we're reading in Daniel chapter 6, it's been decades. It doesn't read like that. It just seems like a miracle a minute, doesn't it? Uh, an amazing thing that happens after a dream after a dream. But it's, it's decades that goes on. And as my brother-in-law, Craig Treeriler, talks about, you think about the different generations and the different challenges that we experience. In our 20s, one of the challenges is popularity. In our 30s, the challenge is we're striving for position. In our 40s, it's often power. In our 50s, it's prestige, that we finally have all that respect. In our 60s, we're just trying to hold on to our possessions, right? Our 70s, we might sometimes get in politics, at least some people think, what else can I do to make a a difference in the world? And by age 80, maybe you're just looking back. In the rearview mirror, it's a perspective. The thing is that we see through the life of Daniel is respect is not guaranteed because of your age. Have you found that to be true as you get older? Like, how many times has Daniel helped out these these co-workers, these colleagues, and yet what is happening is when the leadership changes, they start to attack him. And that's why we need to seek God for courage. Seek God for courage. 
Not only when leaders change, but let me tell you a second time. And that is when laws constrict you. When laws constrict. We see this in verses 4 through 15 as the, all of, of Daniel's co-workers conspire against him. See, jealousy is often one of the drivers for your co-workers and your colleagues who are less competent to come after you. And this was the case in Daniel's life. And as one teacher has said, the scheming politicians of Persia were more dangerous than the lions. And you're saying, John, come on, what are you talking about? How could that be? Daniel would never have gotten in the lion's den if it wasn't for the politicians, right? And so the laws are being changed. And if you think about this, this is a crazy law. It's a a reduction of the freedom of religion. See, back in that day, they were all polytheists. They worshipped many gods. And for 30 days, they were required to become monotheists. To worship the king. This was an imperial cult. And it was all aimed at one person. It was aimed at Daniel. What a reminder, beloved, as you look at our landscape, that as laws constrict us, they're usually aimed at a few. Be prepared. Be ready for this. We see this in Daniel. There's nothing new under the sun. But Daniel understood from his teenage days. By the way, he's probably age 80 to 85 at this time. Think about that. Usually maybe some of the pictures when we were in Sunday school would see Daniel with his his beard, you know, with all nice and nice and dark. No, 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 no. This guy was this guy was old by the time he's in the lion's den. And he had learned from this teenage days to omit prayer would be the means of the collapse of the world, as one writer has said. That's how important prayer is. Daniel had been praying his whole whole career, his whole business career, his whole life. He never stopped praying to God. It's what Erwin Lutzer, the Canadian pastor, has written, that the church is the last barrier between the present moral breakdown and complete chaos. Paul told Timothy, the Apostle Paul told Timothy that that the church is the foundation and guardian of the truth. And that's why we are called to pray. And what when we pray, things change. Prayer doesn't change things. God changes things, but God uses prayer. This is why I would encourage you to say this date. We're having a prayer summit on September 29th and 30th. As people get back into the swing of things in September, it's a call to prayer. We want to continue to be a house of prayer. Now, Daniel doesn't grandstand his faith, but what does he do? As one writer says, he stops, he drops, and he prays, and he does so with intentionality. I love it because he opens up the windows. He's not trying to hide anything. He's let his his faith go public. And what direction does he pray to? Jerusalem. Now that's significant. 
Why is that significant? Because we read in Ezekiel chapter 10 that the glory of the Lord had left the temple. And we already know from history that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple. So why would Daniel pray to Jerusalem? Because he didn't lose hope. Because he believed God. Because he trusted that God would restore what he had promised through the prophet of Jeremiah. That God would keep his promise after 70 years. For the land being fallow, the, the, the cleansing of the land, that God would restore his people. So praying to Jerusalem at this point is actually an act of faith. It's an act of hope. Today, maybe you are pressed in about some habits, some holy habits that you've always had. And people are challenging you to change them. Maybe it's church. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's reading God's word every day. Don't change. Be consistent. Pray continuously. Daniel prayed as the psalmist did. Morning, evening, morning, noon, and night. Brothers and sisters, continue to pray and seek God. What happens in life when those habits are challenged? Be consistent. Believe that God will restore. Don't give up. I feel like every week that's the message. Don't give up this week. And you came back. And you haven't given up. And God sustained you, didn't he? Isn't God good? So seek God. Seek God for courage. Not only when leaders change and not only when laws constrict, but also when lions threaten to kill. When lions could kill you. You say, John, I don't know of any lions. You see any lions in Cambridge this, this, this week coming after you? No, but there are other threats. The Bible, we learn back in First Peter, right? There's a lion, a roaring lion, the devil seeking whom he may devour. Remember behind all of our human enemies, there's an evil enemy that's always coming after us. And here's what we read in verses 16 through 28. I already read this, but I love it. I love this because God actually does two miracles. I mean, the first is pretty obvious from what we read. Verse 16, the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The, the king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. So guess what? Even King Darius at this point has some type of faith, despite the fact that he's trying to draw attention to himself and be worshipped himself. Daniel has been a faithful witness, and God shouts the mouths of lions. And, and by the way, don't let anybody try to tell you that these lions were sleepy or these lions were, were, had full bellies from the meal before. Okay, that you know how lions, they have a big meal and then they, they rest, especially the males, for a while. That's not, that's not what's going on here. Why do we know that? Because as soon as Daniel's enemies are thrown in, they're gobbled up by the lions, aren't they? So that's the first miracle. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, a commentary, and look back to Daniel, it talks about that Daniel, Daniel 
shut the mouths of lions. There's a hint to that. So it's a cooperation, a divine human cooperation with our prayers. That's the first miracle. But there's a second miracle. It's not so obvious. Here it is. Daniel didn't break his hip. Now last week, last Saturday, I got asked to play old-timers baseball. And I have, first of all, I was completely humbled. These guys are really good and a lot older than me. But I have never seen so many white-haired people sprawling all over the ground, right? <laughs> and, and, and I was shocked that no one broke their hip. Daniel's 80 to 85. He's thrown into the lion's den, and he's not hurt. What does it say here? Did you see what the verse said in verse 23? No kind of harm was found on him, just like his friends before, not even smoke during the fiery furnace. And why? Because he had trusted in his God. You can escape harm. Miraculously. Doesn't always happen. Sometimes God makes us suffer. Sometimes we are killed for the sake of Christ. But God can also rescue, can't he? Do you believe that? The world is telling you things that you're going to hear. The only, a, a contrary message here. And that's why we are to trust in him and rescue when we might be the only one left. King Darius, I love this, was affected by Daniel. Did you catch this? Did you see in verse 18 what, what King Darius did? He forwent all of his nightly entertainment. Commentators say this with the dancing girls and the concubines. Usually had that at night. Today it would be Netflix and social media scrolling. Darius just said, no way. I'm not doing that. And what does he do? He spent the night fasting. A pagan king's fasting for Daniel. And the king was the one who made the order in the first place. Isn't, this, isn't God amazing? Wow. Only God could do this. God preserves the life of his servant. There was another servant in the ancient Near East that this story reminds us of. One who was not in his home anymore. One that stood up for beliefs and for truth. And one who was persecuted. One writer puts it this way. Daniel and the lion's den of the Old Testament points us to Jesus and his resurrection in the New Testament. You think about it. Think about Jesus, what happened at the cross. There was a conspiracy, wasn't there, against him. And there was the guilt declared. And enemies rejoiced, didn't they? And a, a tomb was sealed. And the, and the tomb, the stone, was rolled away. And death was defeated. And a hero was exalted. And the difference is, unlike Daniel, who shows himself so stellar in his character and his integrity and his courage, 
wasn't perfect. But Jesus was. Jesus was perfect, and so he actually did die. Daniel didn't die. Jesus died for our sins. And he rose. And he is the one that we worship. And he's the one who will give us courage. Do you believe that today? Do you believe in this Jesus? We said a long time ago, we're not daring to be a Daniel. Daniel points us to Jesus. A greater Daniel, if we could put it that way. Today, maybe you have never trusted in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As we're sitting today or afterwards when our elders are here, we'd love to pray with you and you can receive Christ. You can stand up like Daniel did. Maybe some of you during our singing, you need to go public with your prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you need to pray with others. Still, others of you, man, the walls are being closing in on you. The lions are threatening. Enemies are criticizing. You're afraid. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you this day to not give up, but to seek God. Seek God for courage. Seek God for that extraordinary spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and help you this day. This is the hope that we have. It's not us, it's by Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for this truth of not just Daniel, but of Jesus. Thank you for the great rescuer. In Daniel's day, you sent an angel. In our day, you sent Jesus. God, would we embrace him? Would we believe in him? Would we look to him for courage and help? When we've been let go and leaders change, when laws are constricting us and we're feeling pinched in. Lord, when the lions are ready to pounce, God, would we just, would we turn to you? We pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said.